Welcome back, everyone, to another segment of Rabbi Jeff's Spirit of where we attempt to understand the meaning behind the instructions of our sages and how it's relevant to our lives today. We do this, of course, using the thoughts of our teachers before us and try to make them applicable to our times. Feel free, please, to contact me with any comments or questions at rjfromlj at aol.com. The Pirkei Avis Podcast is a project of the Intentional Jew Podcast Network, where we actively encourage Jews to think and engage in the search of how to be intentionally Jewish. Check us out on intentionaljew.com. We are holding on Mishnah, um, Chapter 3, Mishnah 11. The same mission as yesterday. Let me bring everybody up to speed. And, um, and then we will conclude this Mishnah. So the Mishnah said, Rabbi Lezer Modoy, Rabbi Lezer Modoy says, somebody who desecrates sanctified things, somebody who desecrates um, holidays, somebody who um, embarrasses people in public, somebody who denies the covenant of Abraham, our, far, our forefather, Oliver Shalom, of blessed memory, and a person who reveals um, the portions of the Torah, who expounds and explains the Torah, not according to the tradition, even though he has in his hands Torah and Masim Tovim, nevertheless, he doesn't get a portion in the world to come. And yesterday we asked the questions, why these five? What's the connective tissue between them? Why was Rabbi Lazar Amodai, who was the one, the rabbi that really kept um, Betar alive in its rebellion against the Romans, and because of his existence, his continued existence, Betar was not able to be destroyed. It was only after Rabbi Lazar Amodai was killed through um, a, a surreptitious plan that Betar was destroyed. Why was Rabbi Lazar Amodoy the one who, who said over this Mishnah? What's the point of this Mishnah? To tell me that a person in to tell me that he doesn't have a portion in the world to come. So that is that is in a different tractate and in a different section. And the, the the things that don't have a portion in the world to come, why would you need to say that over here also? And what's so bad about these five? Idolatry is something that gets you you know, not the not, not a place in the in the world to come. Um, you know, desecrating Shabbos might might do it. There are other things that, that that I can understand that might get you out of the world to come. But why would this get you out of the the world to come? And then I think um, our most important question, which was that even if you have Maisim uh, Tovim, if you have Torah and and mitzvot, so then you don't get a portion in the world to come. But that's a little strange because we say that God does not hold back reward. From any person, we don't mitzvos don't cancel out um, averos. Averos don't cancel out mitzvos. And if that's the case, so then how can it be that you have Torah and masim tovim? That you have Torah and good deeds in your hands, and you will do something that will make you lose the portion of the world to come. How is that possible? Because the 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 fact that you did these these transgressions should not make it that you would lose your portion in the world to come. Okay. So we then went through each of these five, what exactly they were, which I'm not going to, to repeat for now. And we left at the place of trying to understand what's the real essence of these five crimes, of the crime of being, um, of embarrassing somebody in public, the crime of being made for the bris, 
the, of, of denying the covenant, the crime of translating and, and, and explaining Torah not in according to tradition, what is the crime of being mechalas akachim, of desecrating sanctified things of the temple, and what's the crime of desecrating the moedos, the holidays? So I think to understand this, we need to understand the following principle. We know that Amalek, and the reason why there is a commandment in the Torah that we have to destroy Amalek is because at the end of the day, Amalek represents the absolute evil. But what was the absolute evil of Amalek that makes it that there's a commandment in the Torah that we have to destroy it? Our rabbis tell us that Amalek was what's called Bechinas Suffolk, that Amalek was doubt. We know that even the gematria of Amalek and Suffolk is the same. The Medrash tells us that when Amalek came to see the, to, to attack the Jewish people, they saw the orlas. They, they saw the foreskins piled up in a pile after all the brismilas that went on. And they took the orla and they threw it up Kalapi Mala, they threw it up to the heavens. What's the image that's being presented to us? It's a strange image. They come and they see all this and they take them and they throw them in the air. That's weird. Because to the Amalekites, the Amalekites had no ability to be able to see Kedusha, to be able to see sanctity in mundane things. When the Amalekite looked at a foreskin, he saw a foreskin. He saw the results of an operation. He saw cutting something off. He didn't see anything of Kedusha. He didn't see anything of sanctity, anything of specialness. All he saw was an operation because that's the way Amalek looked at the world. When the Torah describes Amalek's coming to the Jewish people, it says, Asher Karcha Baderech. They happened to meet you along the way because that's the way Amalek looked at the world. Everything was coincidence. Everything was just happenstance. It just occurred. There was nothing behind it. There was no ashkacha behind it. There was no divine providence behind it. There was no specialness in the material world. This, by the way, was Haman's game. Haman only saw the surface of things. That's why Haman, Haman couldn't understand what was special about the Jewish people because Haman could only see a nation. He couldn't see anything special about it. To Haman, when he came home after the debacle with having to walk Mordechai through the streets, it says, Kol Asher Karohu. He said everything that just, he told over his family, everything that happened. To Haman, there was no hand of God. There was no specialness that happened there. There was no miracle. To Haman, it was all just commonplace. It was just coincidence. That's the reason why God's name doesn't appear in the, in the Megillah. God's name doesn't appear in the Megillah because God is giving us a choice. You can either see this story as Haman saw the story, which was absent God, and it was just about a coincidental thing that happened to take place, or you have the ability to be able to look into the depths of the story and to be able to see the hand of God in every twist and turn. God's name might not appear in the Megillah, but if you look, there are many places in the Megillah where you have Yud, Hey, Vav, Hey, you have a Pasuk that has a word that starts with a Yud, a word that starts with a Hey, the next word starts with a Vav, the next word starts with a Hey. God's name is all over that Megillah. Every time it says the word Ha-Melech, the king, that means Ha-Melech, that's talking about the Melech Malche Amlochim. It's not talking about Hashverosh, it's talking about God himself. God is all over the Megillah, but he's all over the Megillah if you look at it. 
in every one of these of these transgressions in every one of these things that, that are listed here it's the crime is that we are denuding it of its kedusha and we were seeing we are seeing it as a material physical thing we are seeing it just as an item as a thing we're not recognizing that there is god behind it that there's something special a person who is mivaza as a kachim, a person mechalas a kachim, he desecrates. We've learned that the word mechalo means to denude something, to, to suck out, make a hole, to suck out the essence of something. And when a person who looks at a piece of meat and sees a piece of meat and can't see kedusha, a person who looks at a at a piece of wheat and sees a piece of wheat and he doesn't see a carbon, he doesn't see a sacrifice, he doesn't see an opportunity to get closer to God. A person who looks at gold and sees gold, a person who looks at marble and sees marble, and he doesn't recognize that this is there is an inherent kedusha and beauty and sanctity to this. The person who denudes those items and takes away that kedusha, then that is a person who is mechalo, a person who desecrates the kachim, the sanctified things. That person leaves the physical, he leaves the, the spiritual and he enters the physical. A person who looks at time, and he looks at time as just a thing, it's a day, it's a moment. And he doesn't recognize and reflect on the Kedusha, on the sanctity, the specialness of that moment. You know, when, when Moshe saw the burning bush, God said to Moshe, Shal take your shoes off. Why did he tell him to take your shoes off? What was he, you know, Japanese? What was taking your shoes off? What was, that? what was the purpose of taking your shoes off? He said, because where you're standing is holy ground. Well, the truth is where Moshe was standing was not holy ground. He was standing far away from the burning bush. It says in the Torah that he was looking at the burning bush and he said, well, maybe let me draw close to see what's going on over there. He wasn't standing at the burning bush when he was told to take off his shoes. No, because what God was telling Moshe Rabbeinu was take off your shoes, feel the earth, understand. If you feel the earth, you become connected to it. You'll recognize the Kedusha of it and you'll recognize that every single place that you're standing is Admas Kedush, this holy land. Every moment that you're in is a special moment. Every moment that you're, everything that you're engaged in, you're involved in, everything that you do, there is something special there. The person who can't recognize on Chol moed, all they see is Chol and they don't see moed. A person misses the Kedusha, the sanctity of that moment, then that's a person who is Mivaza. He's degrading the Moedos. He's living a life where he is sucking the Kedusha, the sanctity, the specialness out of the world. He's living like a Molek and he's not living like a yid. A person who is malbin pnei chaveru, a person who embarrasses somebody in public, is a person, who, we know that a person is not a, is not a golem. We're not just a clump of clay. We are at selim elokim. We are an image of God. We are, there is a specialness. There is a kedusha. There is a holiness to us. But a person who, is, who is embarrasses somebody in public denudes that person of their kedusha, looks at that person and says, you are not a Kaddish. I don't see any holiness in you. I don't see anything special in you. And therefore, I can be mevazi you. I can degrade you. I can embarrass you. Because I am denuding this person. I am denuding this human being from his Kedusha, from his sanctity. A person who is made for Briso Shalavram Avinu, a person who denies the covenant, who tries to hide the covenant, who in their place of pleasure denies the fact that there is there a sign, an ice, that says that pleasure is not just a physical thing. Pleasure has to be elevated. Our enjoyment in this world, our connection to this world, our connection to the physical existence has to be recognizing the fact that there is Kedusha, that there is sanctity there. It has to be elevated to tap into that Kedusha. 
but rather we take out that Kedusha. We denude it of its Kedusha, of its sanctity. And we live in the physical. We live with the pleasure, but not with the Kedusha, the sanctified aspect of that pleasure. And finally, a person who studies Torah and sees it as an intellectual pursuit, a person who is turned on by the Torah, but turned on by the intellectual aspects of the Torah, turned on by the Torah that is not practical, but the Torah is that theoretical. That's a person who's denuding the Torah of its Kedusha. It's denuding the, the Torah of its sanctity. And looking at it as a Dover Mali Chachma, it's only Chachma, it's only wisdom, and it's not Tara, the Kedusha, it's not sanctity, it's not holiness. And that's why these five crimes are considered that a person loses their chilek in Olam Haba, a person loses their portion in the world to come. Because the person in the previous Mishnah, we were talking about a person stepping out of reality in Olam Hazeh. And here a person is letting go their ticket to Olam Haba. Our ticket to Olam Haba is the degree to which we, the degree to which we take this world and we elevate this world, the degree to which we elevate this world is the degree to which we are going to bask in the glory of God in Olam Haba, in the world to come. And a person is letting go his very ticket to Olam Haba. And therefore, it's not because God has mad at us. It's not because he's taking something away from us. It's that we have made it that we have no portion in the world to come because we're not building a world to come. And that's what was happening in the time of Rebbe Lezer Amodoy. In the time of Rebbe Lezer Amodoy, in the time of Rebbe Lezer Amodoy, there was a proliferation of ideologies, of strange ideologies, ideologies that were tearing at the very fabric and the basis of the Jewish people that saw the physical but missed its connection to the spiritual. There were sophists that were growing in power and number that believe that man is the measure of all things. There's no God, there's no religious doctrines, it's all about man. And when that made its way into Judaism, it appeared as a machalo as a kachin. It, it melded its way into the Jewish people and it manifested itself as people who were machalo kachin, who couldn't see, the, who, who refused to see the kedusha, the sanctity, in the sacrificial system, in the system of law, in the system of God, in the system of relating to a God. It's all about man and what man does has nothing to do with his connection to God, has nothing to do with avayda, nothing to do with service of God. There were the Epicureans who believed that there was a creator, but did not believe in Ashkocha. They did not believe that there was any kind of divine providence. God was not involved in taking care of the world. And when it made inroads into the Jewish people, it manifested itself in Jews that were Mavaza HaMoedos, Jews that degraded the holidays and degraded Cholamoe because to, to us, the Mayadim... Do you hear it every, now? Every single one of the Mayadim Every single one of the holidays represented for us God's hashkachah. Every single one of the holidays represented God's, God's involvement in our lives and the lives of the Jewish people and the lives of the world. There were cynics who, there were humans that, who believed that humans were just animals, that they have no kedusha, that they're just, they're just animals on two feet. And when it made inroads into Judaism, it manifested itself as malbim pnei chaveru berabim, as embarrassing other people, because a human being has no kedusha, a human being has no, has no sanctity. There were Stoics that believed, yes, there was a God, yes, there was a Jewish, there, there was a neshama, yes, there were ethics, 
but there were no mitzvahs, there were no obligations, there was no covenant that God made with the Jewish people. And when it made inroads into Judaism, it manifested itself in people that were mefer brisei shel Avraham Avinu. And the Tzedukim, finally the Sadducees, the Sadducees believed that there was no Teresh Peh. When it manifested itself into the Jewish people, it manifested itself as people that believed there were Megalopanim B'Teresh like Halacha, that uncovered pieces of the Torah, not according to tradition, that stepped outside of tradition, a tradition that ignored and rejected the fact that there is an oral Torah. In Rabbi Lazar Modoy's time, there was this proliferation of this movement away from the, from the understanding that life, that people, time, the Torah, there was something deeper to it. It wasn't just the superficial surface thing. There was something, there was a kedusha, a sanctity. Rabbi Lazar Modoy saw this proliferation in the Jewish people. He looked at Bar Koichba, he looked at Bar Kuziba. He was called not Bar Koichba in the Gemara, he's called Bar Kuziba. Bar Kuziba means he was the false one. He was a false messiah, he was a false person. He represented something on the outside and he wasn't that way on the inside. But he knew that he had, to, that, that, that Rebbe Lezer Modoy knew that he had to continue to exhort the people. And he was turning to every one of these groups of people that were affected by what was going on around them. And he was turning them into saying, guys, be careful, you're going to lose your you're going to lose your whole raison d'etre, the whole purpose that you're existing in this world. And as long as there was a Yid like Rabbi Lazar Mudai who was in the world, who was exhorting people to make sure that they kept their eyes straight, who make sure that they kept their eyes on the prize, that they kept looking towards Eilam Haba, he guaranteed that there was going to be a continuation of the Jewish people. And the moment that Rabbi Lazar Mudai was taken out of the world, that was the moment that Betar fell and the Jewish people suffered another blow because when we live only on the surface and not with the panemius of Kedusha not with infusing our lives with holiness and sanctity it's at that moment that that we lose our portion in the world to come which is the thing that keeps props up and invests the Jewish people with a chius with a vitality. And that's the reason why Rabbi Lazar Madoi said that even if you have in your hands Torah, umas and toitin, then you still don't get a portion of the world to come. But it's not because the one cancels out the other. But it's because when you do mitzvahs without pnimius, when you do mitzvahs as mere actions, then they're not really mitzvahs. When you're learning Torah and denuding it of its kedusha, then it's not really Torah. It's not getting you to Eilam Haba. And if it's not getting you to Eilam Haba, Eilam Haba is not as much a punishment as a reality. And that even though you have in your hands Torah and Masim Tovim, it's not considered Torah and Masim Tovim. And that's why you still don't have a chelik lo'elam haba. It's not that we're canceling it out. It's not it in the first place. Even if you have Torah masim tovim, and look at the words that Belazar Mdoyin uses, afopishiyesh biyodai, 
It's only in your hands. It's only your actions. It's not the panemius. It's not the inner core. And when you, all you have is the outside and not the inside, then you have in the end no Torah and mitzvahs. There's nothing to reward. As long as there was a Yid who understood this, who understood that the outside needed to be connected, needed to be filled and infused with the inside, we were safe. And as soon as we let that go, that's when destruction really took over. And that was the next blow that the Jewish people suffered in Tishabov, the destruction of the city of Beta. And that's what I see in this Mishnah. That's the lesson and the message that Rabbi Lazar Mudai is leaving us. My thoughts. It's, um, I think, an, an important one to chew over. It's a reminder that we mentioned this even when we talked about Shavasa the Tamas. We talked about the 17th of Tamas in the three weeks. We do a lot of things. We do a lot of rituals. We do a lot of acts. There's, we're a very physical physical people, a very symbolic people. And very often we get caught in the act itself and we forget to infuse the act with, with any kind of real meaning and any kind of real kedusha. It's how a person can go through Shabbos. Now, I remember as kids, we used to sing, my, my, my kids actually used to sing, and, and the crazy thing is we didn't have a television, but they used to sing, Eliyahu Hanavi, let's go see what's on TV. That was their, that was their Motsi Shabbos song. How do you go through a Shabbos, and Motsi Shabbos is Saturday night? How do you go through a Shabbos and it's like, you know, get me out of here, man. I got I to gotta, I gotta go get a piece of pizza. I got to go watch a movie. I got to go do something. How, how do you go through a Shabbos like that? When Shabbos is filled with action, but not always filled with the neshama, not always filled with the kedusha, with the sanctity. How is it possible to walk out of shul? Even on the yomim no rayim, and And just feel, okay, you know, shul's done. I'm out of here. And not feel that sense of being uplifted, not feel that sense of having accomplished something. Because we sometimes suck the kedusha out of the things that we do. How's it possible to learn Torah for a half hour in the morning and not feel like you're riding on a cloud of glory? Because sometimes it's our minds that are engaged and not our hearts. And Rabbi Lazar Mudoy was particularly sensitive to this because of what was going on around him, reminded his generation and every generation subsequent that to avoid destruction, make sure that you put inside of everything you do, you infuse it with a sense of Kedusha, you infuse it with a sense of holiness. Okay, those are really my thoughts. Oh, go ahead, uh, my, my I, I have a couple of things, please. Go for it. All right. 
firstly, I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic to see 17 people on the call. I think it, we broke our record today. So, Shabbat to everybody. Beautiful. Uh, all right. Two, Rabbi, it's interesting that we're, we've been talking about Bakochba and Beta these last couple of days. I sent you a personal message, I think, last week right. about where in, the, where in the Talmud do we talk about right. Bakochba, Bakosiba, Rabbi Kiva, Beta. So if you get around right. to an answering so, it, please. So I, I actually started to do some research on that, but I just okay. forgot. I forgot the, the, the place. I know that in the morning, Gittin, it's mentioned. It's mentioned like ancillary in a few places, but where the main story is, I forgot, yeah. and I will believe never okay, cool. very soon get you that answer. All right, because um, I, I, I just read a fictionalized account for the group uh, right. of Bar Kokhba's life, and uh, it, it uses real sources, and the main source that's used by the writer is the Talmud. Right. So I wanted to just get more Talmudic information. Uh, right, and, right. And lastly, it's his, his life my, is amazing. My, yeah. Yes, and lastly, my commentary uh, says some, some something very useful at, uh, as a last sentence concerning the mission that we just uh, uh, learned. It says, even if you have studied Torah and have done good deeds, good actions, whatever, anybody who has committed one of these averot, but doesn't repent for it, doesn't get a part of the the other right. So I think it's interesting to add that, Rabbi. Right. Very important to know that every time we say that it means without tshuva, that a person yes. can always fix, even kares, extirpation, a person can always fix things by doing tshuva. That's correct. Thank you for, for pointing that. Okay, one last thing. Um, if anybody on the on the call, and I'll, I'll try to say this again tomorrow, um, if anybody on the call is not on our WhatsApp group, so then... Um, Please just just put it on the chat now before I before we click off. Just put it up on the chat what your WhatsApp number is, and this way we can send you um, we can send you the link to our YouTube channel. We also have um, you know, and if I ever need to get in touch with people, you know, I need to cancel a class, God forbid, which has not happened. But if it ever if it ever happens, this we have a way to get to everybody um, through the the WhatsApp and any other shurim that I'm that I'm going to give. This way we can keep. Um, everybody in the loop. So if you are not on the WhatsApp group, um, we try not to use it to annoy people um, just when it's necessary. So if you're not on the WhatsApp group, if you could just um, just send us your number, then we will be able to um, communicate that way. And again, if anybody has any questions tomorrow, uh, please feel free to um, to send them to me. You can send them through the WhatsApp also um, or send them to my email, rjfromlj at aol.com. And I believe tomorrow is Thursday. <laughs> I don't know where this week went, but uh, and tomorrow is tomorrow is Question Day and Parish Day. Okay, awesome, amazing. Rabbi, can I have a, like, Rabbi, can I ask you a quick question? Sure. Uh, you said about when that uh, everything should be holy, and for example, you say about uh, you say about meat. Okay. Right. That you should see, you should see the mizbeach and the korbanot. The truth is, I see meat. I I see meat. I I just make a bracha, right. but I don't see mizbeach. I see like a piece of meat. Right. In the times of the in the times of the temple, we have to see it as we have to see it as a as an offering. In our times now, we have to see it as a vehicle to be able to 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 be able to get to God. And the way that we get to God through a piece of meat is by saying a bracha. And by recognizing that I'm sustaining okay. myself in order to be able 
to continue to live in God's world and do beautiful things. That changes the whole thing. It's not just about look. I, you know, I love I love a good piece of meat like the like the next one. And I'm not from Argentina, but but uh, you know, a good piece of meat for me is gishmak. It's like olam haba. But you gotta you gotta always keep it, and it's it's got to be somewhere in the back of the head so that it's it's there. You got to keep it in perspective. That it's not just a pleasure in this world, but it's a pleasure in this world so that I can appreciate God's world, that I can strengthen myself so that I can do God's work better. You just keep it in that kind of, and the bracha does that. The bracha helps us do that. In the time of the temple, though, it was very different. In the time of the temple, you saw, you saw the you know, sacrifices in the temple. It wasn't just a big barbecue. You know, can you imagine if you didn't see any holiness in, in Corbanos, you walked into Yerushalayim, and it was like walking into, you know, to, to Bob's barbecue. You know, it was, it was like, wow. But that's, that would be rooting it of its Kedusha. If all you saw was a beautiful building and you didn't see the holiness in the building, so then that, that, would, be, that would be, that's what it means to suck out the Kedusha of it.